desire to bounce a quarter off of any part of Taika Waititi's anatomy <laughs> until like three weeks ago. <laughs> That's so deeply s- specific. You know exactly what I mean, though. Yes. Hello and welcome to Afternoon Fied, the horniest <laughs> podcast. Well, maybe it's not. It's be a horny couple of weeks on all Sobolo Media property. <laughs> uh, I will say, no, because the previous episode, which we have not recorded, but you will have heard before you listen to this one, there is nothing horny about I it. I was going to say, there is absolutely nothing horny about that topic. If there is, I look, you do you, but maybe like go talk to someone. <laughs> Maybe unpack that just a little bit. You know, like, schedule a doctor-on-demand therapy session and just let someone know. Don't let us know. Uh, well, anyway, um, I mean, I guess the subject of this mini could be sexy. I mean, not, I'm not here to yuck any yums, but, uh... Well, I am here to yum some ice cream sandwiches. Yes, I'd like to welcome everyone to a new series <laughs> I'm starting called Things I Googled While I Was High. <laughs> Where I formally researched something I googled while I was high. (laughs) And since our camels faster than horses wasn't a broad enough topic, I decided to go with a brief history of astronaut food, followed by a tasting slash ASMR section for any uh, weird perverts. (laughs) I want to tell this story from my perspective, (laughs) which is I woke up on Saturday morning and at three in the morning... Central time. No, 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 no. It was 11 o'clock my time. So it was like one in the one morning. One in the morning. <laughs> Please. It was like one forty-three. Uh, there's a text from Emily that's just like, we need to talk about astronaut food. Um, yes, because I was watching um, the banana pudding episode of Good Eats, a classic. And some t- like when they cut to commercial, they'll do a quick like trivia fact on the screen. And it was the banana pudding was served on some space flight that I don't remember. Apollo 11. Sure. Probably. Uh, And then I was like, ah, space food, that's weird. Because, you know, I started thinking about 2001 A Space Odyssey and how the, like, liquid Salisbury steak in that just destroyed me. You really were pretty high, weren't you? I mean, this is what happens. And uh, to answer a previous question, horses are faster than camels, but not on sand. So it is completely reasonable that in The Mummy, Brendan Fraser and co. would have beat the other team on their camels v horses thank you mm-hmm. I, I deeply needed to know that that just been a burning question in my heart for so many years yeah like on on solid ground horses are definitely faster by a couple miles per hour um anyway so uh as it turns out there's a lot of elements that you need to consider when you're eating in weightless conditions namely space like chemical elements no well nutritionally i guess mostly it's <laughs> Food can literally just float away from you, which is a big problem. And like any errant water or crumbs can really fuck up a spaceship. Oh, like the episode of The Simpsons where Homer goes into space and opens up a bag of chips. And yes, it's exactly like that. <laughs> Actually, I think that whole thing was, if I remember correctly, and I'm really going to go at a tangent here. He opened up the bag of chips, and as he was trying to eat all the chips before they could um, destroy the equipment, he hit and smashed uh, the ant farm that they had brought with them into space. And then the ants got into the controls, and that's what caused the problems. Of course. That were then solved by an inanimate carbon rod. Carbon rod. I haven't seen that episode of The Simpsons in probably 17 years. It really sticks with you, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, as I was researching this, the only picture I had in my brain was from the original Alien, which at no point are they weightless in that film. But, like, that's the spaceship that I always picture. 
<laughs> That's, you know, like all spaceships, all normal spaceships. Yeah. I mean, that and the one from uh, Space Odyssey, which, again, like, fantastic movie, but the futuristic food in there, horrid. It's like, mm, there was a scene where he had like a tray, like a normal cafeteria tray, but each section was like a different food that had a little straw that was poking out of it. And the idea mm. of a savory pureed meal was- Yeah, that's deeply upsetting. Yeah. But unfortunately, that like it was on par with what the technology was at that time. So the earliest food eaten in space, which would be in like the late 50s and early 60s, um, during the Project Mercury missions were, uh, like, bite-sized cubes, freeze-dried powders, and, quote, thick liquids stuffed in aluminum Ugh. tubes. I'm going to take a second and cite my sources. The original How Stuff Works uh, article that I read while I was high, uh, history.com and nasa.gov. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, anyway, it was a lot of, like, little cubes of freeze-dried stuff and, like... Probably more concerned at that point and, like, ensuring they're getting nutritional value. It was utilitarian, yeah. Yeah. Gotta feed them something. The crew generally agreed that they weren't a fan of the blandness or having to squeeze the tubes. Specifically, (laughs) they weren't a fan of having to squeeze the tubes, which, if I was eating, like, powdered food, that would be not my top complaint, but... I'm also not an astronaut. Powdered sounds terrible. I, I am picturing, and I know this wasn't it, but like, you know those little pa- puree packs you give to a baby? You mean the ones I keep in my cabinet for quick breakfast? Yes. It's like applesauce. It's for grown-ups. Basically, yeah, it's puree. Yeah, no, that's not far from what we're heading towards in the story. Like, we've gone past that now in the in the 2022 time. Well, clearly, I have a very futuristic ice cream sandwich right here in front of me. <laughs> So the freeze-dried fruit food was also hard to rehydrate, and the crumbs, still an issue. Yeah. So for the sake of argument, Russia was also working on this um, at the same time that we were. So for lunch on Vostok 1 in 1961, Yuri Gagarin, Gagarin? Gagarin. Gagarin. Uh, ate from three 5.6 ounce, it was in grams, I converted it, you're welcome, uh, 5.6-ounce toothpaste-type tubes, two of which contained servings of pureed meats, and one contained chocolate sauce. <laughs> that yeah. sounds so bad. Pureed meat, like, I, I feel like... That's the one There's just gotta be a texture to that that is not, like... you. There are things that you can pure, puree, and it's fine. Meat is not one of them. Unless it's, like, a pate, which I still don't like, but, like, some people are into it. Yeah. But, like, that even is also, like, a just, like, a squishier portion of the animal. I'm thinking Ugh. of, like, beef. Ugh. Ugh. So, in, appropriately, in August of 1961, Soviet cosmonaut German Titov became the first human to experience space sickness on Vostok 2, and he holds the record for being the first person to vomit in space. <laughs> That's dubious distinction. I would be kind of proud about that, though. Yeah. It's probably German. It, it looks like it's pronounced German, but it's probably German. Whatever, first person to vomit in space, congratulations. Good for him. So, food options improved during the later Gemini and Apollo missions, which was between, like, 1965 and 1975. Uh, So, the first things to go were the squeeze tubes. (laughs) Bite-sized cubes were coated with gelatin to reduce crumbling, and the freeze-dried foods were encased in a special plastic container to make reconstituting easier. So... Coffee, grapefruit juice, and even soups could be eaten with just some added water. Yeah, they basically added, like, a rehydration port to them. Yeah. 
um, Gemini astronauts on the Gemini missions, not ones that were born in whenever the fuck Gemini season is. May. Oh, yeah, you. Yeah. You're welcome. I don't know. I know nothing about what that is supposed to mean. So Gemini astronauts had such food choices as shrimp cocktail, chicken, vegetables, and butterscotch pudding, and applesauce, uh, and were able to select meal combinations themselves. The shrimp cocktail is particularly disgusting to me, but... No, no, thank you. And here's a fun story. The crew of Gemini 3 snuck a corned beef sandwich on their flight. Oh my god. Of all the things. Like, that does not sound... It's actually really cute. Uh, Mission Commander Gus Grissom loved corned beef sandwiches, so pilot John Shira, or John Young, brought one along, and uh, having been encouraged by fellow astronaut Walter Shira. Did they, like, surprise him with it? Yeah. However, Young was only supposed to eat approved food, and Grissom was not supposed to eat anything. Floating pieces of bread posed a potential problem, causing Grissom to put the sandwich away, although he did enjoy it. Um, And the astronauts were mildly rebuked by NASA. (laughs) Hey, guys. Uncool. (laughs) The congressional hearing was called. Oh, that's not a mild rebuke. (laughs) Forcing NASA Deputy Administrator George Mueller... To promise no repeats. Uh, I guess technically, yeah. If, so the congressional hearing was called because the present punishment from not NASA was not enough, according to Congress. Uh, yes, um, for bringing a sandwich into space. I guess if you really kind of like tease that out, like if something had gone wrong and crumbs had gotten thing, like they could have very badly died. damaged. They could have died. They could have died, but also like damaged a million dollar project over a corned beef sandwich. Yes, it's still very cute. Uh, yes. No, I still like that. Uh, the Apollo missions introduced thermostabilized pouches, disgustingly called wet packs. Uh, these flexible plastic or aluminum foil pouches kept food moist enough so that it didn't have to be rehydrated. Uh, the Apollo crew was able to eat bacon squares, cornflakes, beef sandwiches, chocolate pudding, and tuna salad. And if you want to know what a wet pack looks like, um, if you have a packet of ready-to-eat tuna that's not in a can... Oh, yeah. That's it. Personally, the uh, prepackaged tuna salad is one of my favorite easy lunches. I love a good tuna salad. I haven't had tuna salad in forever. You throw that on some crisp bread? Yeah, you gotta have the crisp bread. That's the thing. It's gotta be like a toast. Yeah. You can't be just like regular bread. Like, then it's just the, you need that crunch. Otherwise, it's slimy. Yeah, Yeah, some crackers or something. Just crispy. Um, So Buzz Aldrin decided to get weird and partook of the Presbyterian version of Holy Communion on the moon. It always finds a way in. Always. Wine had been consecrated by his pastor two weeks prior, and uh, being kind of a wild situation on its own, the wine involved was the first liquid ever poured on the moon, which is a weird, like, this is the first thing ever, but that's not surprising, honestly. So in 1973, Skylab rolled in. And brought with it some huge changes to convenience and relative luxury in the space food game. Uh, Skylab offered onboard refrigeration, which even modern space shuttles don't have. Mm. Um, So it could carry a wider variety of foods. 72 different types of menu items in all. Wow. That's probably more food than I eat, honestly, in my diet. It's a very large selection. (laughs) Food warmer trays allowed astronauts to heat their food in flight. And uh, shrimp cocktail and butter cookies, I hope not together, were consistent favorites. (laughs) Uh, Lobster Newberg, fresh bread, processed meat products, and ice cream were among the other favorites. Damn. 
That's some fancy space food. I must say that Buzz Aldrin specifically said that he liked the shrimp cocktail and that each shrimp had been hand-chosen to ensure that it would fit through the opening in the packaging. (laughs) That would be labor-intensive. Yeah, they don't just order these from, like, some doomsday prepper. NASA makes these specifically. I mean, I hope, yeah. (laughs) They're not just getting, like, that army meat from the the, uh, Halloween episode of Community. They're not just, like... Oh, we got a, oh, shit, we got this shuttle mission coming up. Let's hop on Amazon and (laughs) order a box of freeze-dried ice cream. Skylab also had a dining room table and chairs fastened to the floor and fitted with foot and thigh restraints to allow for a more normal eating experience. You know, when you strap yourself to your triangular dining room table? As you do. The trays used could warm the food and had magnets to hold eating utensils and scissors used for opening the containers. Uh, The crew found the food to be better than that of the Apollo missions, but still unsatisfying, partially due to the food tasting different in space than on Earth. We'll get into why in a minute. Um, The frozen foods were the most popular, and they enjoyed spicy foods due to the sinus congestion from weightlessness and the general air dryness that dulled their senses. I was going to say, like, I hate how it feels after just, like, any length of a plane ride, just how dry everything is. So dry. So, yeah, um, when you're in space, everything is dry because it's recycled air and everything. And, you know, they're not they don't have a humidifier going. Yeah. But also because of the weightlessness, it causes like the mucus and, and whatnot to like float up basically into your sinuses. So you just have a constant stuffy nose. Oh, that's deeply upsetting. <laughs> I don't like that one bit. Around this time, uh, at the request of the astronauts, NASA bought cream sherry, which is a Spanish variety of, like, fortified wine, um, for one of the Skylab missions, and packaged some for testing on a reduced-gravity aircraft. Uh, In microgravity, smells quickly permeate the environment, and NASA found that the sherry triggered the gag reflex. Oh, great! That and concern over public reaction to taking alcohol into space led NASA to abandon the plan. See, I feel like right now that would get, like, real good PR. Oh, yeah. The astronauts instead drank the purchased sherry um, while consuming their pre-mission special diet. Which is a side note, I also found out that in the early days of, like, space missions, Mm -hmm. astronauts were fed a special, quote, low-residual meal before takeoff to lower the chance of someone needing to poop mid-flight. Oh, no. (laughs) I didn't want to know that, Emily. (laughs) Now I just have that information in my head. <laughs> but now you know. That's not a positive outcome. This is what the series is all about. And again, we're going to hop over to Russia because, again, they were doing their own thing when we were doing our thing and whatever. Uh, the Soviet Union's stations, uh, S- Salyut stations, were the first to be structured in zones for different activities, including a table for work and having dinner. Um And by the mid-1970s, cosmonauts and astronauts on the Russian Salyut space research stations were able to eat fresh food such as tomatoes, coriander, cucumbers, and some others from their orbital space gardens. That sounds real nice. Yeah. And some even had the possibility of a sip of wine or vodka with their food because apparently they figured it out. Uh, The pioneering Oasis Greenhouse on Salyut 1, which was launched in April of 1971, led to the implementation... Sarah. (laughs) 
Implementation? Thank you. The implementation of plant growing facilities on later Russian space stations and on the International Space Space Station. Uh, and the first space-grown vegetables were reportedly eaten in 1975 by the Russians. So by the early 1980s and the launch of the first space shuttle, meals looked almost identical to what astronauts ate on Earth, hmm. which is a quote from NASA, and I'm not going to use identical that strongly. Almost, almost, almost. identical. There's that qualifier in there that's very important. There's a lot of tortillas in space. Um, Astronauts designed their own seven-day menus selected from 74 different foods and 20 drinks. Hmm. uh, And they prepared their meals in a galley with a water dispenser and an oven. Uh, When the Space Shuttle Discovery launched in 2006, it was clear space food had entered a new realm. Because uh, this is one of my favorite trivia facts. Um, my personal favorite 90s celebrity chef, Emeril Lagasse, designed a menu for the Space Shuttle Discovery that included Boy. selections like kicked up mashed potatoes, jambalaya, and bread pudding made with rum extract instead of real rum because of alcohol isn't allowed in space for Americans. So while taste has always been something, has almost always been something considered with food sent to space, the biggest and more pressing issue has been keeping the food fresh and safe to eat. I was just going to say, you don't want any astronauts yarfing in space, but that has happened, clearly, as we At least learned. once. <laughs> At least once. Um, so the meals are stored in locker trays and arranged in the order that the astronaut will eat them. Um, and it takes about, what was it, 3.5 pounds of food packaging included per astronaut per day. Um, and considering a space mis- mission can last months, food in space has to be designed and packaged to prevent spoilage. Yeah. Um, and because the shuttle doesn't have a refrigerator, foods must stay fresh at ambient temperatures, which I don't know what the ambient temperature in space is. Well, I imagine there's some sort of climate control within the space yeah. station itself room temperature yeah something comfortable for human life at least (laughs) so there are several ways that space food can be prepared um the first is rehydratable or freeze-dried foods where water is removed from the food during packaging this can be done with soups casseroles scrambled eggs breakfast cereals ice cream but you don't rehydrate the ice cream normally intermediate moisture foods delicious Interesting. It's basically a way to say dehydrated, like pears, peaches, apricots. Ah, gotcha. Jerky. Jerky is very popular. Uh, There's thermostabilized foods, like we talked about with the tuna. Uh, These foods are heat processed to destroy bacteria and other organisms. Sometimes fruits are preserved like this. The next one is irradiated foods. That's how you get zombies. Well, this is... Or superpowers, I guess. NASA had to get special dispensation from the FDA for this one. (laughs) Um, Meals are cooked and packaged in foil pouches and briefly exposed to radiation from gamma rays or electron beams so they won't grow bacteria. That's definitely how you get superpowers. Or like a Hulk casserole. (laughs) The World Health Organization and the American Medical Association say that irradiated foods are safe to eat. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's such on such a small scale. Oh, yeah. Um, There's also natural form foods like granola, nuts, cookies, um, things that have a long shelf life, and sometimes fresh foods. And they're not worried about like the granola bars getting into the control? I think we've moved past that being an issue. um, Okay. Somehow. Yeah, I never, like, they coated stuff Just in better gelatin. at sealing stuff, yeah. Yeah, crumbs, some, I mean, I don't think they're setting those Nature Valley ones up there. <laughs> That's a, 100% the example <laughs> I was going to give. Maybe, like, one of those chocolate-covered ones that kind of, you know, yeah. is 
pretty chewy and stays together real well. Yeah, like a chewy bar. Um, And sometimes they even get fresh food. So fruits and vegetables are packaged in plastic bags and sanitized in chlorine to preserve their freshness. But since there's no refrigeration, they have to be eaten within the first two to three days um, Mm. or they'll spoil. So get your vegetables in now, guys. Yeah, you just eat real good for the first three days and then it's all granola bars and tortillas. (laughs) Um, So the food packaging is designed to be easy to use, small enough to dispose of in the onboard trash compactor, and sturdy enough to keep food fresh for up to a year. Uh, Rehydratable foods are packaged in flexible bowls with lids. Um, A fabric fastener locks the bottom of the bowl to the meal tray, which is fun. You get a little snap on it. (laughs) Just like babies. Yeah. Uh, Foods can also be kept in cans with pull-off lids, plastic cups, flexible pouches. Astronauts add water to rehydratable food bowls and drink pouches through a small opening called a septum adapter, which you, like, basically just plug a hose into your soup. (laughs) I found this part particularly interesting, not just after the edible, but... uh, persevering through the research process. Um, condiments like ketchup, mustard, and mayonnaise have their own packaging. Uh, salt and pepper are stored in liquid form so that the crystal- crystals or granules don't float away. Huh. Yeah. Salt is dissolved in water while pepper is suspended in oil. Interesting. So you just kind of like spray that on? Yeah, I guess. Huh. Wet, wet stuff tends to stick to stuff pretty well, Yeah. Like, um, which is how you get away with um, boon bowls, I think it was called, in the early day. Like in the early days, you just kind of unzip locked your food and then it stuck to the spoon because like the food would yeah. be wet. It takes about 20 to 30 minutes to reconstitute and heat a meal. Not bad. Um, and each astronaut has a meal tray that holds their containers and the tray can be attached to either the astronaut's lap or the wall, which I'm realizing now you can probably attach it so it's still flat in an edible way and not just like <laughs> parallel to the wall. Yeah, I would imagine so. After the meal, the containers are placed in a trash compartment, and astronauts clean eating utensils and trays with pre-moistened towelettes. I assume not the lemon-scented ones. Probably something a little more neutral. Yeah. Uh, So NASA plans to grow fruits and vegetables on space farms, which is the coolest word that I've read in a while. I was going to say, I'm surprised they haven't brought hydroponics into it yet. Yeah, actually. Greenhouses that are temperature... Controlled, artificially lit, and employ a hydroponic system, which uses nutrients instead of soil, which is like how I'm growing tomatoes right now in my Mm -hmm. living room. Uh, Crops might include soybeans, peanuts, spinach, cabbage, lettuce, and rice. Um, Wheat berries and soybeans can be grown and processed into pasta or bread. Um, Astronauts would then prepare these foods into home-cooked meals. And according to NASA, a sample dinner menu on a mission, potential mission to Mars, might include spinach and tomato crouton salad wheat pasta with tomato sauce, and a chocolate peanut butter soy milkshake. That sounds delicious. Yeah, I would actually love a, that but shake. Especially if you're like starting to grow your own food, that's going to like be good shit. Like yeah. if you have to make your own pasta from the stuff you grew yourself, like, yeah, that's probably going to taste pretty good. I am so excited to eat a tomato that I grew. <laughs> like I'm just living for it. <laughs> it is worth noting that forms of beer have been developed that counteract, the redu- that counteract the reduction of taste and smell reception in space and reduces the possibility of wet burps in microgravity. Yeah, that feels like that would be unpleasant. Wet burping, if you're curious, is when the lack of gravity keeps the stomach liquid from separating from the gas released in a burp. Ugh. It's gross. Uh. Yeah. I didn't need to know that. Barley harvested from crops grown for several generations in space has also been brought brought back to Earth to produce beer. And while it's not space food, um, since it uses the same carbonation in the Earth recipe, 
The study did demonstrate the ingredients grown in space are safe for production. Just because it wasn't made in space, the fact that the stuff was grown in space is pretty fucking cool. Yeah, this is going to be a long mini, and I apologize. I'm actually winding down, and then we'll do our ASMR bit. Um, so before we do the taste testing, here are some highlights from other countries, because I was talking mostly about the United States, but other countries have been to space. It's not all about us. So in October of 2003, the People's Republic of China commenced their first crewed space flight. The astronaut brought along uh, specially processed pork, Kung Pao chicken, eight treasures rice, and herbal tea. Um, mm. Food made for the flight has since been commercialized and uh, on sale to the mass market. Nice. Uh, on the third May 3rd, 2015, Italian astronaut Samantha Cristoforetti became the first person to drink freshly brewed coffee in space. <gasps> A hero. <laughs> Uh, commercial firms Lavazza and Argotech developed an espresso machine called Espresso, uh, ISS Presso for the International Space Station. <laughs> that is a top tier pun. I'm actually very pleased with this. It can also brew other hot drinks such as tea, hot chocolate, and broth, kind of like the uh, machine in a Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh yeah, that Arthur couldn't get to work. I I've been thinking this whole episode about that knife that you can use to slice the bread and it just automatically toasts it. Uh, the dream. The dream. Um, so the brewing machine and cups were specially designed to work with fluids in low gravity. The Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency, or JAXA, <laughs> have developed traditional Japanese foods and drinks such as machta, uh, yokan, ramen, sushi, soups, and rice w- for consumption in orbit. Say machta. Matcha? Matcha. God. Like the tea? Yeah. It's one of those words that I've always read and been too afraid to say out loud. <laughs> then in April of 2008, South Korea's first astronaut, uh, Yi So-yeon, was a crew member on the International Space Station and brought a modified version of Korea's national dish, kimchi. Mm. It took three research institutes several years and over <laughs> $1 million in funding to create a version of the fermented cabbage dish that was suitable for space travel. And I say this... With all the respect to people who enjoy kimchi, yuck. That is, that's just some lovely dedication, though. It like, is. for such a simple thing to spend so much time and effort and money. But, like, you can tell, like, it's, I mean, I think it's probably worth it just for, like, the aspect of national pride that it brings. I like that. Uh, and then finally, Swedish astronaut Krister Fus- Fugelsong was not allowed to bring reindeer jerky with him aboard a shuttle mission as it was, quote, weird for the Americans so soon before Christmas. So he had to bring moose jerky instead. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Who are these American astronauts who think reindeer jerky is weird? I feel like it was someone in HR. (sighs) They're grown adults and astronauts. Like, I don't think, like, they're going to be super sentimental about reindeer. No. Not really. Like, but those are Santa's pet. No, you're a fucking astronauts. You're a grown person. Um, so as a special treat, literally, I have never had astronaut ice cream before. Never ever? Never. And so I um got both Sarah and I each a uh vanilla ice cream sandwich, freeze-dried. I'm so uh, excited. Can I open it? Oh yeah. Not an official astronaut ice cream because it's expensive for the astronaut branding. Oh my gosh, it even comes in like a little wrapper. Oh, it's very crumbly. Oh yeah. Does this sound I mean, doing very it for dry. anybody? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't make ASMR a weird thing. Oh, it's yeah, it's very crumbly. Okay. Well, I'm just going to be eating this intermittently throughout our whole next episode. <laughs> 
Oh, crunchy. That tastes like an ice cream sandwich. That's really weird. Yeah, that tastes exactly like it. I mean, a dried out ice cream sandwich, but <laughs> this is exactly what I expected in that it tastes like um, Lucky Charms marshmallows. Mm. All right, that's actually very good. I couldn't find any other space food that was available for purchase on Amazon that wasn't from a Doomsday Prepper site. Oh, and just in case anyone is worried, each NASA American space flight is equipped with, I want to say, a full week of basically nutritional cubes in case of an emergency. That's probably for the best. Well, thanks for hanging out for this very long mini, which I thought wasn't going to be long enough for a full episode. You literally texted me like, it's only four pages. It shouldn't take that long. Well, you know. (laughs) All right. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. We love you. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This is As Above, So Below.